In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Grace Gann, Senior Director of Consulting and Retail Expert at The Sound. Grace, welcome to the show. Hi there. Nice to meet you. You too, you too. I appreciate you taking some time and sharing your expertise today. Thanks. I'm super excited to be here as well. Absolutely. Before we get started, Grace, if you don't mind giving us a little bit of uh, what you do and and what uh, what The Sound does. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for the introduction. So my name is Grace. And as you mentioned, I'm a senior director at The Sound. So The Sound is a boutique consultancy uh, in terms of consumer insights, brand strategy, as well as innovation. So um, we, I like to say, have the opportunity as well as the privilege to work with some of the most forward thinking and people-centric brands on the planet, like the likes of Google and Facebook and Pinterest and Pandora, Apple, Ikea, to name a few. So my role at The Sound as a senior director is Again, I get the pleasure to partner with a lot of these different brands to answer and to help them address some of their burning questions and key challenges that they face and they experience. So I um, will lead up a project team and and helping to design the approach, how to tackle, uh, you know, the specific business or brand challenge, if you will, um, through sort of creative uh, exercises, activities, working directly with consumers or the people that these brands are meant to serve. That's awesome. And and as a brand comes to you, and those are all great, great companies, of course, uh, best in class, as these brands come to you, uh, what are some problems they're trying to solve? Anything and everything, right? Sometimes, you know, they have questions like sales are down. I haven't done anything to really understand my target audience. So help us diagnose or help us understand how it is that we can potentially reconnect or rebuild relevance with the people that we serve, um, with our with our target audiences, the people that we design experiences for, or the people that we may potentially be developing new products and innovations for as well. So, you know, that's one typical challenge in terms of, you know, rebuilding relevance with with the people that we serve. Um, Sometimes it's also helping them to think about their pipelines and and product development. So, you know, maybe they have a pipeline that they want to fill for 2022 and, you know, they need some guidance thinking about, well, what are people's needs nowadays? You know, what is it that could help or make people's lives better, improved and through our portfolios? Makes sense. Makes sense. As you're, I mean, it's it's no uh, no question that we're still in the pandemic right now. In your opinion, how has you know COVID changed consumer priorities for these brands and what they value? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really great question, and of course, it entirely depends on the purchase category that you're thinking about. But you know, during the pandemic, you know, I guess pre-pandemic and also during the pandemic, we've done a lot of quantitative, qualitative research across different categories, and one that I can speak to that you know we did over the summer was in the personal care and skincare category. So I think a lot of this 
you know, we sort of saw kind of bubbling um, prior to the pandemic. But again, you know, the way that I think about the pandemic is that it acted in many ways as an accelerant for some of the things that we see in terms of shifts in values, shifts in priorities, and buying behaviors and whatnot. But, you know, a couple of things that we found to be driving people's decision making were around, you know, number one, trust. Right. I think that's maybe a fairly obvious one. Of course, trust has always been important, but even more so, I would say, during the pandemic. You know, like the people that we talk to, we're just talking about their higher expectations that they have um, for products, for brands, for retailers, and a lot of it having to do with the fact that every decision that they make in terms of bringing new products or brands into their homes or visiting different retailers is going to have an impact on, you know, their health and, and personal safety, right? So the kinds of questions that they were asking us is like, well, what kinds of ingredients? Are they clean? Where do they come from? How are they sourced? Is it ethical? All of those were sort of like signals of whether they could trust a product or a brand. But when it came to the retailer, you know, it's like, well, it's a store clean. Is it messy? Is it organized? Have the testers been removed? Has this particular retail retailer stated or shown in any way that they're committed to consumer safety, even the safety of their employees? Are people in the store following the guidelines? So that's patrons, it's employees. Are they wearing masks? Are they limiting capacity? So again, it's like from a retailer perspective too, they're also looking for those signals that show that retailers are taking safety seriously. And of course, you know, the pandemic has restricted people from going, well, they still go into stores and locations, but has restricted the ability to be able to go as freely as, as before. And so as, as you've been talking to your, you know, clients, have they been more worried about how to design more, I guess, e-com type strategies around uh, things that they're trying to solve in that fashion? Or is it more really store-centric, location-centric uh, focuses uh, that they have right now uh, to be able to you know, complement everyone's buying behavior? So it's an interesting question too. I mean, to give an example, right, of the kind of question that you know some of our clients have been asking us, and I'm just going to give one of the more recent ones. So prior to the holidays, you know, like brands were asking us the question of, well, now there are these new COVID safety guidelines, right, where you have to reduce capacity, you know, and that means people are in some some places, right, I think much more so in cities than in, in maybe parts of the other parts of the country, like the suburbs. But you know, you got people lining up outside, right? So it, it changes the kind of experience that people have when it comes to retail and when it comes to the overall shopping experience. But, you know, one of the questions that we got was, well, all right, holidays are coming up. Capacity is limited. How can we as a brand and as a company ensure that we maximize in-store conversion, right? So they want to ensure that every single person who does make it in the store is going to find what it is that they need, have a great experience, and walk out, hopefully, with a purchase. So the way that we like to think about this, too, is that... When it comes to online and when it comes to in-store, they're quite complementary, right? Like, I think the mistake that some of us may make is that we think about them as being sort of discrete or separate kinds of experiences. But if you think about it from the consumer perspective, people don't see it that way. People don't think that way. When they're in the market for something, 
they think about all the tools at their disposal, right? So there's a role for what's happening online versus a role for what you get from the physical store and that experience. So that's something that, you know, we've been telling people to think about, especially now during the pandemic and, and all the different shifts that we've been seeing is that, you know, you've got to think about both aspects as being complementary and wanting to make sure that you're not just thinking about how you maximize conversion when you're in store, but maximizing it across the entire decision journey and the entire purchase journey, right? So if I'm shopping for a new foundation, I'm in the beauty category looking for foundation. A lot might happen before I ever set foot in a physical store. Like I'm exploring, I'm discovering all the different kinds of brands, all the different benefits that this foundation might provide. But, you know, once I narrow it down to a couple of different brands that I might be interested in, then, you know, that's when I might want to go into a physical store for that experience. And that's something that like, you know, is not so easily replicated right now in the online space. So I hope that answered your question about like what it is that we recommend for, you know, people that are thinking about like, what do we do in for physical stores? What do we do online? I mean, it's just, it's truly understanding from the consumer perspective, how they're making their purchase decisions and, you know, what that trajectory or what that path might look like. Because frankly, the physical store may not be the final destination when they make that actual purchase, right? Like it might be somewhere in the middle where, you know, they're going in, they're experiencing not just the products, but they're taking in the brand. That's where sort of the brand story comes to life and where, you know, they build that connection. But, you know, there are things that, you know, the online store can't do as of right or the online experience can't do as of yet. And truly that is the ability to test, to try, to explore, to experiment all of those different kinds of things. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I think one of the things that you said earlier on that totally resonates is, you know, a lot of brands were also spending a good amount of money on, well, it depends on the brand, but the brands that we talked to spending a good amount of money on their both kind of online marketing, but also their online infrastructure, whether it's e-com or whatever it may be. And I think one of the biggest notable things that we're seeing is talking to these same brands is, you know, they, they figured out that that in-store or in-location experience really has to complement a lot of the things that they were doing and focusing on online as well so to make it one kind of purchasing flow, one education flow, depending on what their goals are. So I think the, the interesting part is, although we can't go as freely into locations, people are really focused on how can I make some more investments into that in-location experience? Yeah. And just to build on that too, you know, it's like when that particular brand came to us with that potential question that they wanted to unpack and investigate, you know, that was one of the first questions I asked them was like, well, do you have an understanding of how behavior has shifted for you guys? And do you know what the new role of your physical retail store is? You know, when you see people lining up, do you know why it is that they have lined up and what it is that they're actually doing? You know, because that's the thing, right? If sales are decreased, you know, within physical or at physical retail, right? Online sales are up, but physical store sales are down. That may not necessarily be a bad thing. It's just that they shifted their behavior and maybe, you know, they're, they're doing something specific in store, but then they're making that final purchase in line online, right? So lots of different motivations that could potentially be driving that, but it, it requires deeper investigation to figure out how COVID has exactly impacted that. And what do you think some of the changes, I know, of course, there was a bunch of changes made to the in-location experience primarily, but what are some of the changes that you expect to prevail after the pandemic ends? 
this is a really hot topic, right? Like I think pretty much every brand has asked some shade of this question because I think what we've all seen is an explosion of new behaviors during the pandemic. So yeah, like of all these new behaviors, what is going to last for the long term? You know, at The Sound, we believe that while behaviors may change as a result of your situation, and in, in our specific case, right, it's the global pandemic, it's our motivations as humans, as people that stay constant. So in the simplest way to sort of explain this is that, you know, the pandemic has not fundamentally changed who it is that we are or what it is that drives us or motivates us. It's merely impacted how it is that we satisfy those deeper needs and desires. So all I mean by that is that just means that we choose different products, different services, um, different kinds of solutions. So I can't take you know credit for the for the um, work that was done necessarily, but you know I give a lot of credit to our creative analytics team that has done so much investigation and research on this topic, and you know they were able to aggregate a lot of the insight and learning that we got across all of these different quantitative projects to illuminate that there are you know a range of motivational areas. And, you know, what we monitored during the pandemic were the shifts in some of those motivations. So that's something that's really important, I think, to understanding what's going to come next and, you know, what is going to last for the long term. It's really understanding those motivations, those motivations that don't change, but being able to pinpoint and identify what has intensified or what has become much more purposeful and what are the shifts that are happening in terms of what it is that we value as a result that is going to help brands, including retailers, plan much better for tomorrow. Do you think this happens on a continuous basis? We see these motivations to an extent kind of morph over time? Or is this really, do you think it's just pandemic induced? Well, so the behavioral changes, right, are certainly situational. But when it comes to why it is we behave the way we do, why it is we choose the solutions that we do, it has to do with our underlying motivations. So to answer your question on that, you know, we're seeing sort of shifts, but it's not that these motivations change or that they're different in any point in time, right? But what we're seeing is that certain ones are intensifying or they're becoming more meaningful, right? And to give an example of that is like, it's hard to, to explain without showing you the motivational map, but we've got 12. And on there are different things like transform and evolve and being adventurous and be free and untethered, escape and cocoon, reset and rejuvenate, simplify control, all of these kinds of things, right? But I think something that we know for sure is that if you're a brand, you may be rooted in one motivation, but the opportunity is actually in finding ways to connect and bond with people, because that's something that they're really hungry for in this moment. Grace, as you kind of think about kind of shifting a little bit back to the to the physical store, and I know you talked about this a little bit of really converging online and, and, and really that physical store, but what's the role of the physical store? And, and why do you think, especially kind of in the near future, in-location experiences are going to matter even more? That's something that a lot of people have been asking us, like, it's, it's brick and mortar dead. And, you know, the answer, I think, to that, from my perspective, is, is definitely not. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are discrete roles. Of course, online versus in-store, they're all a part of, like, the, the consumer's overall purchase journey, right? But you're always going to need to have both because they both currently still play a role. Um, you know, from the research that we've done, Prior to the pandemic, during the pandemic, 
people were still speaking to, um, you know, the unique benefits of both. So from that research, specifically during the pandemic, you know, what we heard again and again from people is that in-store retail is still seen as experiential and pleasurable and emotional and not purely transactional. And to what I was saying before, that physical stores, they might not be that final, that final point of purchase within the funnel, but, you know, they are truly important to allowing people to immerse and explore and to discover all different kinds of products and whatnot. But it also allows you or them, I should say, to come into the brand story, to really experience the brand, to connect, to really strengthen that relationship that they have. Absolutely. It's actually interesting. Uh, going into the pandemic, what you said in the beginning is totally true in the sense of that it's accelerated a lot of things. And we talked to brick and mortar brands that really want to strengthen their e-com side. And, and recently, what I've noticed is a trend towards the end of Q4 of last year and kind of beginning of already kind of the, the, the first few days of 2021 is that brands that were really e-com heavy are actually thinking about creating you know, small footprint stores and locations where they were never thinking about brick and mortar locations to complement that online you know, journey, if you will, as well. Uh, to give that effect of like that feeling and, and all of that that you want to associate with the brand. So I think it's interesting. We're an interesting time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like e-com, like even before the pandemic, right? They put pressure on retail, like retail brands or brands with a retail presence. COVID really only act as an accelerant that just squeezed them even further and pushed them to really think about you know, what are they going to do and what's, what are they going to think about next? You know, it's a, it's a really big opportunity for brands and, and retailers to think about, you know, that next step and, and how they are going to transform. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. What's the, Grace, what's the best uh, in-store kind of uh, experience that you've ever seen? So I will say that living in New York City is it's pretty amazing because I feel <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, get we get to it. see, we get to see a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are so many. So um, I think that if I were to think about the very best and experiential retail, I think Canada Goose comes to mind first. I don't know if you're familiar with the brand and some of you know, the experiences that they've done over the last couple of years, but you know, they truly created an immersive environment. And again, it's like you know something that online retail couldn't possibly recreate, right? And this is prior to the pandemic, of course, because a lot of the experiential retail is, is now on halt. But, you know, they opened up cold rooms and, you know, had them as a part of their actual in-store experience, right? So people could go into a Canada Goose, put on a $1,500 jacket, walk into a cold room and test it out. And we're not talking about like recreating the Northeast winter, right? Like we're talking about Arctic temperatures, right? So you're, like, you're really putting the product to the test and getting to, to see what it's like. And I think, you know, bottom line, what makes Canada Goose so interesting is the fact that, you know, the idea that they had with this cold room, the cold room in and of itself really was fun. It was entertaining in that it drew people in. It got them to line up outside of the store. And, you know, that was pre-pandemic, you know, they weren't required to line up. It actually drew them to the store because they were interested um, and found it, you know, something that they wanted to take part in. And it generated a lot of buzz. So, you know, that's on one side of it. But on the other end, it was also purposeful. 
So it allowed people to test before they invest, right? And that's like a key component of the physical store and something that, you know, online hasn't quite cracked the code of. And and what we hear people in our research telling us all the time is that online just doesn't compare because it, you know, it's missing that critical component. So I think Canada Goose is really a great example of experiential retail. I think Hunter too is also an interesting one. It's like a similar vein. It's outerwear. This wasn't necessarily a part of their retail experience, but you know, they did a pop-up in Grand Central Terminal. So they created this like fog and mist and wet weather kind of environment inside of a greenhouse. And there, you know, you could experience the heritage of the brand, which is, you know, the Scottish Highlands, while testing out their rainwear and their boots. So, you know, that I thought was also like a really interesting way of bringing people into the brand story while at the same time having a purpose of allowing them to to try and to test product. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are great examples. Great examples. Yeah. You want another you- one? <laughs> sure. Sure. Give me another one. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever visited this one, but, you know, I've always been a fan of Samsung. So years ago when they first opened, I can't even remember when it was. It was probably... I don't know, maybe 2016, 2017, you know, it was always a stop on our trend tracks. So whenever we worked on a big project with clients, regardless of the category, I mean, of course, you know, there was always some connection to to their particular brand's category, but it was always a stop on our trend tracks, like where we would take our clients um, around in the city just to experience sort of the future and like what we thought was a really great experiential retail experience you know, a really cutting edge retail experience, if you will. Um, and, you know, I even took family members there too, because I, I found it to be, you know, so interesting. But the Samsung Experience Store was a place that, you know, basically featured all of their latest gadgets, their toys, their experience, their appliances. You know, they even had a roller coaster at one point that helped to showcase the latest in their technology, right? So I always found that experience particularly powerful because they found a way to showcase emerging technology, right? And just frankly packaged it up in a way that makes you think so differently about the brand or so positively about the brand, right? Like when you think of Samsung, I think you think about future of technology. So again, that's another example of, you know, one that really allows you to be part of like their story and what it is that they stand for fundamentally. Be a part of their brand. No, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Grace, that was a wealth of information. Before I let you go, any anything that I forgot to ask that you want to make sure our listeners uh, know about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, just, you know, the role of online versus in-store and, and just emphasizing that, again, they're both quite complementary. And when consumers or when people think about purchasing a product, they are never thinking about online versus in-store. They are just thinking about the best way to figure out what is right for me and what it is to, to bring um, into their lives. So I think, you know, like the shift with COVID, right? I know we talked about it being quite situational. You know, people are flocking to online, not because that's their preferred method necessarily, but it's situational. Like they had to, we were in lockdown. We weren't able to escape our homes. We had to order things online. So that was really the way that things were happening. But, you know, from the research that we did over the summer, you know, that was one of the biggest things is that the joy and the pleasure of physical retail, right? Like being able to freely go about the world and shop and, and, and all of that 
just was not replicated in any way in the online experience, right? So they were doing this, but they were just, they had migrated to online. They were getting all of their necessities and whatnot. But, you know, a big part of the joy that they, and the pleasure that they had from shopping was missing. So um, I think that's just something to think about, particularly, you know, brands that have both components, both a physical store and also they've got an online component, a .com after their brand name is to just really think about what are all of the different ways. Again, it's going back to what's truly important, right? It's maximizing conversion across all channels, right? That's what a brand can do um, to be truly successful. So it's like, not only how is it that we optimize the physical store and experiential retail in terms of thinking about the brand story and all of the, the key critical components that come with a physical store, but what are the things that you know they should be thinking about in order to optimize that online experience? And you know, I think that's something that we haven't necessarily seen as of yet, you know, because I think that you know what we hear people say is that the joy and the pleasure of, of shopping is not there. It's not the same. You know, when they go into physical stores, it's grab and go, right? But, you know, same thing with online. It's it's not there anymore. You know, like they don't have necessarily like the escape or the thrill of the hunt or the reward or even the impulse buy, which was something that was really interesting to hear that, you know, people miss so much. But, you know, that certainly is the opportunity, I think, in terms of, maximizing overall conversion is, is really thinking about the online space. What is it that our best practice in terms of the physical retail store that they can bring to the online experience and, and vice versa? Well, that was great, Grace. Well, thank you much. Before I let you go, what are some fun things in New York that you like doing if uh, when, when, when travel opens back up? That's so funny. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it like pre-pandemic or, or during pandemic <laughs> or post-pandemic? Post, post, post. Yeah, post-pandemic. I mean, you know, I think what's really great in New York is, yeah, well, I don't know if I should say that this is great, but the fact that, you know, we were at the epicenter of the pandemic in the very, very early days, I think that New Yorkers are quite respectful and quite responsible when it comes to social distancing, as well as wearing masks. So it's allowed us, right, to, to keep some things open, like our, our stores and, and also um, outdoor dining experiences. So yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. During the pandemic, something that I feel like my husband and you know, also friends and I have been enjoying are just you know, the ability to find a great spot and share a meal or a beverage outdoors with spots that have got good heat lamps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Grace, for your for your time. Appreciate it. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. And thank you again. It was great to meet you. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.